Hello, Life Church. I'm excited to introduce to you today's weekend guest, Eddie Rents. Eddie's a national spokesperson for Convoy of Hope. Convoy is the ministry that we have been partnering with for years in order to help hurting people. So today, you're going to have a chance to hear from an individual who's been on the front lines, who crisscrosses the nation, and literally goes around the world for Convoy of Hope. I know you're going to be challenged today. I know you're going to be encouraged today. And I hope and pray that you'll be motivated by the message that he's going to share. It's going to be a great weekend. And thank you in advance for your One Day to Feed the World offering because your one day does make a difference in their every day. God bless you. everybody. Wow, it's so great to see all of you here today. I'm so honored to be with you. I have been looking forward to being with this church for quite a while because of your reputation. I don't know if you know it, but you have an incredible reputation around the country as a generous church, as a missional church, and God is doing incredible things through your generosity, through your faithfulness, and I just got to tell you thank you. And I want to say hello to the Appleton campus and to West Campus. I wish I was there right where you are, but uh, thank God for the ability to be in different places. Aren't you glad for that? And I, I just got to tell you, I fell in love with your city even though I've really wrestled with being here. You know, I'm a 49er fan, and I have to confess this today. I have to confess this. Green Bay is a better team than the 49ers. I have to say that. But you ought to thank me that we gave you Aaron Rodgers, because he's right from our Sacramento area, and you gave us Colin Kaepernick. So I'm not sure if you got the better deal or we did, but... I fell in love with you because you have a Harley factory not far from here, and I, I'm a fan of Harley Davidson, so I got a shirt from the church, and so I'm just so excited. You're my best friends now. I love you, and I'm just so glad to be here. This is a special, special church, and you know why? I just got to say this. God must love you a lot to give you Pastor Aaron and Tammy as your leaders. I travel. Listen. I travel all over the country, and it's not often you meet the caliber of leadership that I've met by hanging out with Pastor Aaron. They are, they are incredible people. God is doing amazing things through their life. But you know what makes them who they are? And this is what I love about Aaron, that he has such a heart for people. He has a heart for God. But he has a heart for people. He wants people to find Christ, to know Christ, to become everything they can be in what God has already provided for them. And I just got to tell you, you ought to get up every day and thank God for the kind of leadership that you have at this church because they are a cut above other places I go. So I'm honored today to be with you. And I want to just say thank you for everything you've done. I know you're in a series about this is why. And, and I, I just am excited about the fact that this church has been such a partner and friend of Convoy. Thank you 
because you're helping us change life. Every day, we feed 150,000 children around the world their only meal of the day because of you. We have responded to over 300 disasters worldwide because of you. We've done over 1,000 community outreaches where we are bringing churches and leaders together and we're providing free groceries, free photography, free mammograms. We are, we, are, we are changing people's lives because of you. We have taught farmers in third world countries how to be self-sufficient and self-sustaining. Where they're no longer dependent upon convoy or the government. They're increasing their yield in their production of agriculture through organic growing. In fact, what is amazing is that we provide the seed for the farmers and all we ask in return is they give us the first 10% of the yield of their crops to be used to feed their own children in their country. This year, because of the training of 6,000 farmers in Haiti alone, we're going to give out 3 million meals from the harvest of those crops. How many know that's a miracle from the Lord? Isn't that amazing? We also train women how to run their own business, how to start their own business. In Ethiopia, we've trained 1,200 women how to start their own business. Now, you've got to understand something. In Ethiopia, the average family is 10 kids. And the husbands are not faithful to their wives. In fact, they bring girlfriends into the house and then eventually kick out their wife and their children. So for a wife to learn how to become self-sustaining, to start her own business, is so incredible. In fact, let me just give you this. 600 women were Muslims when they began our program. Today, they're born-again Christians serving Jesus Christ. You know why? All because of you. You're making a difference in the world in which we live. And I want to tell you thank you for that. You know, I have, I have favorite scriptures in the Bible. Do you? I have certain scriptures I love. For example, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Aren't you glad God bankrupted heaven so that he could reach us? That he sent his one and only son. He gave. I also love Matthew 9, 36, where the Bible says of Jesus that when he saw the crowds, he had incredible, he had great compassion for them. I love the fact that Jesus had compassion for people. When you study scripture, you see that Jesus was a, a person, a God of compassion. He saw the hungry and he fed them. He had Jairus come to him and said, can you touch my daughter? And he had compassion on her. Jesus was moved with compassion. How many know there's a difference between pity and compassion? Pity says, I feel bad. It's so sad what's happening in those people's lives. But compassion gets up and does something. Compassion says we have a chance to change someone's life. I also love Acts chapter 20, verse number 35. It says, and remember the words of the Lord Jesus when he said, it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Would you say those words with me? It is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Now, look at me. Jesus didn't say there was not any joy in receiving. I love Christmas, don't you? I love it. And not because I get great gifts, because I'm a dad. I don't get great gifts, but I give great gifts. 
And there's no greater joy than to watch my children get excited about their gifts. I'm a, I've been married 23 years, and I have three children. I have a daughter, 21, a middle daughter who's 20, and a son who's 18. And they're all in college. Yes, I'm broke, and I need your prayers. I mean, you can imagine, three in college, they all love Jesus serving God. I love Christmas, not because of what I get, but because of what I give. And that is an incredible joy. And oh, by the way, there's only four Fridays left until Christmas. So you better get shopping really quickly. The Bible tells us that there's more joy in giving than getting. How many know that's completely different than the world's philosophy? In fact, I like to read bumper stickers. I like to drive and see because it gives the world's philosophy. Let me read a few that I've come across. Here's a couple. Age is a high price to pay for maturity. Pastor Aaron's discovering that right now, that it's, you know, growing up, you get mature. How about this one? All men are idiots and I married their king. I told my wife, if she doesn't take that off the back of our van, we're going to have a fight. How about this one? Don't follow me. I'm lost. Here's another one. Mothers with teenagers know why animals eat their young. Here's a good one. Never put off till tomorrow what you can avoid altogether. Here's another one. When all else fails, lower your standards. And we all know this one. Whoever dies with the most toys wins. You ever heard that one? But how many know you never see a a U-Haul behind a hearse? Because you can't take it with you when you go. It is more blessed to give than to receive. I, I love what Winston Churchill said. He said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. Money does not determine our value. Possessions do not determine our value. It is not what we possess, but what we give that determines our life. Today, I want to answer the why. Why are we doing one day to feed the world? Why is this church done one day to feed the world the past six years? Let me answer that for you today. First of all, when I give a one-day offering... I'm declaring and I'm glorifying God as my source. The world says money is their source. The world says gold is their source. But how many know we serve a God that's bigger than money, that's bigger than gold, and God is our source. When we learn to use the idol of this world, money, and use it to glorify God, He will raise us up out of our troubles, our testings, our fears of all that's going on around us. Listen, your boss is not your source. Your job is not your source. Your business is not your source. God is your source. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord that provides. And I don't care what you're going through today. How many know that God is bigger than any problem, any trial, any testing? And He is a provider. And as long as He's on the throne, I don't care what's going on. He will bring you through it and bring you out of it. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. 
Convoy, one of the things we do is we do community outreaches because there are a lot of people hurting. In Cleveland, Ohio, we did a community outreach and a couple by the name of Bill and Kathy had fallen on hard times. They were parents of three teenagers. And their life was shaken because Kathy lost her job. Not long after that, Bill lost his job, and they could not find another job. They looked high and low, but there was no jobs. They couldn't find one. And so they began to burn through their savings, trying to save their home. When they ran out of their savings, they began to dip into their retirement. Eventually, they ended up losing their home. They moved into a hotel where you pay by the week. They had reached the very low of low in their own life. They were devastated. One morning, Bill got up and went down to the local AMPM. He went to get just a couple things for breakfast. And while he was there, he noticed a poster on the window. And all he saw was Convoy of Hope. And it said, free groceries, no admission. He had never heard of Convoy of Hope said they were coming to the fairgrounds that were not far from where they were. And Bill went back to that hotel room. And he looked at Kathy and he said, do you know of a, a group called Convoy of Hope? No, never heard of them. Well, they're giving out free groceries. And it's not too far from here. And they're doing it tomorrow morning. And we're going to go. So they were so worried that they wouldn't get free groceries. They actually slept in their car in front of the fairgrounds the night before. Can you imagine, parents, two teenagers in the back, and there you are sleeping in the front? That was not a good night, was it? And they were first. When you come to our event, we love them like they're special guests. We don't look down on them because we know people can go through hard times. And we greeted them and welcomed them and then asked them if they'd ever been at a convoy event. And they said, no, we've never heard of it. We said, there are tents everywhere and at each tent, there is something different. And begin to describe the tents and then ask them, do any of you need a job? They said, yes, we do. said, go to that tent over there because we have a job fair over there. And Bill and Kathy showed up, sat down with some community leaders and businessmen, punched up their resume. Kathy and Bill got an interview and Kathy got a job. They were so excited that they'd finally found a job. They said, let's visit every tent. So they went to the Manny Petty tent. Well, at least the girls did. And they got a manicure and a pedicure. They went to the clothing tent and got free clothes. They went to the photography tent and got free photographies. They went to every single tent. And then, after they'd visited all the tents, they decided to go get their groceries. But you have to go through the prayer tent to get to the groceries. And so when they saw them there, they said, hey, how was your day? They said, it was the best ever. Can we pray with you about anything? They said, no. What do you mean, no? God answered every prayer that we've had. They said, oh, you're Christians. They said, no, we don't go to church. We've never attended a church. And right there on the spot, that counselor led four 
brand new people into the kingdom of God that day. You know why? Because compassion changes lives. And when you give, when you stand up and say, God, I'm going to declare that you are God, that money is not my God, that possessions are not my God, God begins to move. Listen, you can go through hard times, but God promises to bring you through. You can go through the valley. You can go through storms, but he said, I'll be your source. If you take care of God's business, he will take care of your business. In Haiti, we feed 90,000 children every day their only meal of the day. And at one of the schools where we're feeding, one of the 260 schools and over 65 orphanages, there's a school that runs double sessions. They have 3.50 in the morning and 3.50 in the afternoon. And in between sessions, we had a group of 12 pastors that we took on a vision trip. And as they were standing there, after they had toured the school and helped feed the children there, it was time to dismiss. And we watched as the students poured out of the school. And as they headed, our eyes caught the attention of, we saw these two boys with backpacks running towards a woman standing by the gate. These boys ran up to her. She hugged them, kissed them, and then her attention turned to us. She started walking towards us, and she looked upset. She looked like she was angry. When she got to the group, she said, Are you with Convoy of Hope? Yes, ma'am, we are. Tears began to run down her face. She said, I just want to tell you thank you said, because of Convoy of Hope, I have four children. And because of Convoy, I don't have to decide this weekend which kid does not get to eat. Because of your provision, because of what you provide, my family has food in order to eat. In fact, she said this, not only has Convoy changed our life when it comes to food, but they've changed our life when it comes to Jesus. You see, my two boys found Christ here at school. And they came home and told us about Jesus and then began to tell their aunts and uncles, their cousins, their grandparents. And today, as tears were running down her face, she said, today, everyone in my family are born-again Christians because of Convoy of Hope. And I'm here to tell you, it's not because of Convoy, it's because of people like you. When you begin to give a one-day offering, you're declaring and glorifying God as your sore, that he's your source and not money. Hallelujah. Secondly, when you give a one-day offering... When I give one, I'm growing in my faith. Not only am I declaring and glorifying God, but I'm growing in my faith. When you begin to give, it stretches your faith. Let me just say this to you. God wants to give more through you than he wants to give to you. God wants to give more through you than he wants to give to you. The problem is this. What God is looking for is that people that would be rivers and not lakes. You see, too many people want to be a lake. They want all the resources to come to them, and they want to be a lake. But how many know it's better to be a river? Because through the river, there's life. Through the river, it goes to the lake. It provides resource. It provides water. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Have you ever met somebody that is stingy? Now, don't elbow your spouse right now. 
You know what I mean? Have you ever met somebody like that? I don't like to be around certain people. I don't like to be around negative people. You know what I mean? People that drag you down, they have everything that they talk about is always critical. It's always condescending. It's always judgmental. I don't like to be around those people. I love to be around people that are full of faith, that are full of joy, full of life. I love that. I don't like being around stingy people that have the spirit of Scrooge on their life. They're not happy people. You show me a stingy person, and I'll show you someone that doesn't have joy in their life. They remind me of Chippy the parakeet. Chippy the parakeet never saw it coming. One second, he was peacefully perched in his cage, singing. The next, he was sucked in, washed up, and blown over. His problem began when his owner decided to clean his cage with a vacuum cleaner. She was going to stick the nozzle into the bottom of the cage to suck in the seeds and all the feathers, and then the phone rang. Instinctively, she grabbed the phone, said hello, and all of a sudden she heard, in the vacuum went Chippy. Her heart dropped to her feet. She rushed over to it, turned it off, unzipped the bag, and there was Chippy, alive but stunned, covered in black dust. So she grabbed him, rushed him into the bathtub, turned the faucet on full blast, and held Chippy under a torrent of ice-cold water, power washing him clean. So then she did what any compassionate owner would do. She snatched up the hairdryer and blasted the little wet shivering bird with hot air. Chippy doesn't sing much anymore. You know people like that, don't you? They don't have any joy any longer. Life has just taken its toll. But listen, if God can get it through you, he'll give it to you. In other words, if you want to live, then learn how to give. Some of the poorest people in the world are the most generous. The Miso Indians that are in northern India, the northeast corner of India, are only about a million people. But they are per capita the most generous in the world. The Miso Indians, every single day, when they sit down to eat their food, will scrape off from a corner of their plate some rice. They'll put it in a bucket, they'll pass the bucket around, and each person sitting at the table will scrape off a little bit of rice. They save it up all week long, and on Monday they go down to the local market and they sell the rice. And they do two things with the proceeds. First of all, they give to the poor. They're poor themselves, but they're giving to the poor. And secondly, they support missions. The Miso Indians support 1,700 missionaries full-time around the world. Can you believe that this poor group of people see the value of what it's about? They stretch their faith and give. Kate was a senior in high school, homecoming queen, class president. She had everything going for her. The church did a mission trip to Uganda, and she went on that trip. When she saw the needs, the poverty, the pain, something happened in her heart. Kate couldn't shake it. She came home after that two-week mission trip. All the rest of the school year, 
It bothered her. She would cry for them, weep for them. Finally, when she graduated from school, she told her parents, I'm going to go to college, but I'm going to go to Uganda first because there are so many kids that need help. Kate started an orphanage, 40 kids. This 19-year-old girl went off to Uganda, began an orphanage, and then she adopted 13 of those children. And today, at 23 years old, she takes care of 1,200 children that she supports and she provides for and that she's taking care of. You know why? Because giving grows your faith. It changes people's lives. That's what Convoy is doing. Because of people like you, we're transforming the world through the faith of God's people. Let me finish with this. When I give a one-day offering, I'm not only declaring and glorifying God, I'm not only growing in my faith, but thirdly, I'm giving hope to those who desperately need hope. We talk a lot about faith, we talk a lot about love, but we talk very little about hope. But hope is an incredible ingredient for life. The Bible says hope delayed makes a heart sick. When people lose hope, they lose their ability to dream for the future. Despair replaces joy. Fear replaces faith. Anxiety replaces prayer. Insecurity replaces confidence. When spouses lose hope, they give up on their marriage. When parents lose hope, they give up on their children. When leaders lose hope, they give up on their people. When people lose hope, they give up on their dreams and eventually give up on their life. I know what it's like to see someone lose hope. You see, my dad was a successful businessman. 24 years ago, he fell into despair. He had lost his hope, and he took a handgun, put it in his chest, and took his life. 30 days later, his stepson, who he willed the gun to, took the same handgun, put it in his chest, and took his life. All because they lost hope. My friend, you have no idea what it's like to stare in the eyes of people who have lost hope. Poverty, when you look in the eyes of faces that have no hope, it haunts you at night. I preached from the eastern coast of Siberia, all the way through India, down into Sri Lanka and the Philippines. I preached across different places in the world, and there's nothing that's more haunting than to look in the eyes of people that have no hope. I've seen children that have been maimed intentionally by their parents because they want to play on the emotions of those that are visiting their country. I've stood at the fences of little children that have become political pawns that cannot enter a country because the country that they're from won't take them and the countries that surround their borders won't take them either. I've looked into the eyes of the hungry, the hurting, the lost, the starving, and it haunts you at night. And my friend, listen to me. I can't do anything about a tsunami I'm not God. I can't speak to the tsunami and say, stop. I can't say to a hurricane, be still and be quiet. 
and cease from blowing your mighty wind. I can't say to a tornado that rips through a community and ravages the lives of people that you have to cease, that you have to stop. I can't stand on the rumbling ground of an earthquake and tell the ground to stop its shaker, shaking at this moment. But I can do something about hungry people. I can do something about lost people. You see, we can change the world, my friend. You may feel like that being here in Germantown or Appleton or at the West Campus, that you can't do anything to change the world. But I'm here to tell you that's a lie from the enemy. You see, you can change the world right where you are. And it doesn't take you getting on a plane and going. Rather, it takes you having a dream and a passion and a heart that says, oh my God, I can stand up and do something to change people's lives. I can stand up and I can give in such a way that it will transform the lives of the hurting, the lost, the broken, and the downcast. In Nicaragua, right outside the city of Managua, there's a garbage dump. 5,000 children that have no families live on that garbage dump. The stench of the garbage dump, is, it's, it's almost unbearable. And to see all these kids that have no family trying to make these makeshift little homes out of cardboard and any piece of metal that they could find just to try to protect them from the elements is heartbreaking. But what's even more heartbreaking is that when the truck that brings the garbage to the dump drives down that dusty, rocky road, children by the hundreds take off and start chasing that truck. You know why? Because the fastest know that if they can get to that truck first, they can climb on the back, climb into the garbage, and hopefully get first dibs at what's in that garbage. As a dad, I can't imagine my kids living in a world where they chase a garbage truck. Convoy heard about what was going on, so we sent a team there, and the team began to scout the situation and in the middle of all these 5,000 kids was a kid that stood out, eight years old. His name is Edgar. Edgar stood out. You know why? Because he had four rocks. And he was playing with them like they were toys. He was oblivious to all the, the chaos that was happening. Edgar would take him and bounce him off his feet because he didn't have shoes to wear. And he was playing with these rocks like they were toys. And when we noticed Edgar, we began to engage Edgar in a conversation and found out that Edgar didn't have a family, that he was just living alone. We asked him, we said, Edgar, when's the last time you had a meal? He said, it's been days that I've even eaten anything. Edgar, when's the last time you've had a hot meal? He said, I can't even remember. And as we were talking to Edgar and just loving on Edgar, he did something that was astounding. Edgar separated two stones from his hand, his group. 
And he reached out and he handed them to our workers. And he said, you're really nice. I want to give you two of my rocks. When you looked on the ground, there were rocks everywhere. But to Edgar, these weren't just rocks. These were his. And he handed the stones to them, and little did Edgar know that his life was about to change. You see, because of people like you, because of churches that say that we can change the world right where we are. You see, only $10 a month can feed a child, educate a child, and teach them about Jesus. Only $10 a month, and a kid can eat every single day. A nutritious meal that has everything they need. How many know that's a miracle right there? And it's because of partners and people and friends that have said, we want to help you change the world. And today, we have a feeding program on the garbage dump of Managua in Nicaragua. And right now, Edgar is a little light at that place. His life has changed. All because of people like you across the country that have said, we want to make a difference. That we want to rise up and say, today we're going to take one day's wage. Only one day's wage. I'm not asking you to give a week's worth or a month's worth unless the Holy Spirit speaks to you. I'm just saying, would you together just give one day's wage? It's not that much for us, but for them, it changes everything. 10 million children will die this year from no food, no tr nutritious food or clean water. That's 192,000 a week. That's 28,000 a day. That's 485 an hour. That's eight children a minute. We can change their lives. We have the power to do it. All it takes is for us to say, God, I want to be part of that. I want to be part of the solution. I want to make a difference. You see, the Bible says you are the light of the world. And my friend, I say to you, be light. It's time to rise up and say, God, we may never go, but we can send our life. We can change this world. Can I tell you, on behalf of those that have no voice, Thank you. On the behalf of those that today at this church, oh, you see, I'm preaching to the choir. I know right now some of you are already going, yes, yes, yes. I'm ready, man. You know why? Because you realize that one day can change their every day. And I want to say to you, thank you. Can I pray for you? Would you bow your heads with me, Father? God, I just want to tell you, thank you for such an incredible church. God, this is a church that's not selfish. This is a generous church. This is a giving church, God. This is a church that's making a difference through missions, through, through providing food and clean water to hurting, hopeless people. God, thank you for such amazing people. And I pray, Holy Spirit, 
that like Paul, when he said to the church of Corinth, he said, you've done really good, but I say this one thing to you, excel still more. God, I pray that this church will set new records, that this church will reach new heights, that this church will see the harvest and say, I'm going to make a difference. I pray you bless them, bless their families, their homes, their businesses, their lives, because of their heart for broken people. And I give you thanks for that in Jesus' name.